Please be seated. Here at St. John's, we are spending a season working through a faith formation program in the Episcopal Church called The Way of Love, practices for a Jesus-centered life that has been promoted by our presiding bishop, and we're spending a month on each of the seven spiritual practices. And uh, it is not a coincidence that this is the month we are focusing on the practice of worship. So we are spending January looking at this practice of worship, and we've timed it so that it coincides with our chancel renovation. And this week, the scaffolding went up and this installation went in to create this uh, worship space. So it's a time for us to explore our worship. And this morning, I want to talk about worship and our worship life as a community of faith. And this feast day of the baptism of Jesus is a great entry point into that. When I was a kid, probably nine or ten, I was in Sunday school, and perhaps it was this feast day, and uh, I got kicked out of Sunday school (laughs) because we were asked to draw the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan. And I, being somewhat rebellious, depicted it as a scene from Jaws. And there was blood in the water. And I was promptly expelled from Sunday school. I can't remember if it was just that Sunday or I, can't, I don't really remember that. I just remember getting kicked out of Sunday school. And, and now I'm a priest and a rector. So I don't know if God's getting even with me or I'm getting even with God, but um, here we are. But I've thought back on that experience, and especially on what was I supposed to learn from that lesson of drawing the baptism of Jesus? I mean, it was pretty open-ended, draw the baptism of Jesus, assuming we were going to do these quaint uh, drawings. But what was I supposed to learn? How was that supposed to engage me? Our Sunday school program here at St. John's, part of it uses a program called Godly play that uses a Montessori teaching method. And godly play is about engaging children in exploring biblical stories. And the story is told and sort of acted out with with, uh, elements and pieces. And then there are a series of wondering questions, which is part of the engagement. So the wondering questions are things like, I wonder what part of this story you liked the most. I wonder what part of this story we could take away and still have all the story we need. The goal of godly play is for children to know God, not just know about God. So if you're my age or older, maybe younger too, uh, your Sunday school education experience, if you had it, may have been Draw the picture of the baptism of Jesus. Remember the books of the Bible in order. 
learning about the faith, learning about God, but not as much knowing God. And that is the purpose of godly play. And I would say that worship in general, and especially this transition time in our worship space, is our time to do godly play. Worship is really godly play, but this especially is a time for us to explore this. Because this construction project and losing half of our pews to be able to worship in here has created an opportunity to play with our space. As you can tell, it's really different than what St. John's normally looks like. And it is intentionally really different. We really tried to create something that is totally different than how St. John's looks. In our Episcopal Anglican tradition, worship is our primary theology. If you ask what do Episcopalians believe, the answer is to look at the words and actions of our worship. We say in our tradition that praying shapes believing. This is why our prayer book and the words of our liturgy are so important. They shape what we believe about God. This is also why we try to use more expansive and inclusive language to capture the fullness of how we encounter and experience the Holy One. Praying shapes believing is not just about the words used in the liturgy. It is about the entire experience. It is about encountering God in community through celebrating and receiving the Eucharist. Now, there's a whole lot that I could say about the new location of the baptismal font, which is going to stay there, and the altar and the axis between them, and how each one has really become a, a rite of initiation that leads to each other, and how the Eucharist constitutes us and we constitute the body of Christ and a lot about our core value at St. John's of having an open table and modeling Jesus' table fellowship by inviting all to receive. But that's a different sermon because I want to talk about how space plays a role in praying shapes believing. Our space is an important part of how our belief is shaped in the act of worship. There is a saying that you hear in seminary and liturgical studies, which is the study of worship, the space always wins. The space always wins. The experience of God and community in worship and the extent to which praying can shape believing will always be constrained by the layout of the church worship space. Our faith and worship develops and changes. The church develops and changes, but the church building doesn't. And so you have this tension between that change and that 
fixed space and reality. This is why from the time we started it, our 9 a.m. family service has been held in the parish hall so that children and families can gather in a circle around the altar. Something that in our old chancel was impossible, but something I hope in our new chancel will be possible. And this is precisely why we are renovating our chancel by taking the existing furnishings we had and putting them in a new configuration that brings the altar closer to the people, that brings the communion rail down to floor level so you don't have to go up steps, that has the choir facing the people instead of facing each other. Our old chancel that was built in 1958 when the church was doubled in length served this church very well for morning prayer, which was the common practice in Sunday worship at the time. But we and most of the Episcopal Church are a Eucharistic community now, and we are striving to create a space that reflects us being a Eucharistic community while building in enough flexibility for however the Holy Spirit leads the church into the future. So for the next four months, this is our worship space. It is a time for us to play, to explore, to experiment, and to reflect. So I wonder, I wonder what is the most meaningful part of a worship service for you? I wonder where have you experienced God's presence in worship? I wonder what your reaction was when you walked into this space this morning and saw this altar arrangement and that installation. If you've been coming to St. John's for years and years and years, your experience of coming into this space might be very different than someone who is sitting in this church right now for the very first time and has never seen our old chancel. Yesterday, I, I took a picture once this layout was all set and I put it on social media and I have to say the reactions were pretty interesting. <laughs> Got a couple, uh, you know, Game of Thrones commentary <laughs> going on, you know. It's good to be the king, I guess. Um, my favorite, which I think is actually the most accurate, was the fire of Pentecost. My daughter thought I should come out, uh, you know, with that, I don't know if you've all seen me, I've got like one of those flashing kind of heat miser fire hats. <laughs> Maybe I should have worn that. After, my, after the 8 o'clock, I got two comments. One was, uh, someone said, I walked in and I thought, oh, it's the stock market. The other one was, after your Sunday school story, I thought, oh, okay, so St. John's is Shark Week every week until, 
until the renovation is finished. Actually, this installation is based on uh, the way the worship space at the Christian community of Tizé in France was set up, and Ginger had been there and had seen it and found pictures of it, and so we actually based it on uh, the Tizé worship space. They have much better lighting than we do, so we're, we're going to, we need to work on that. Uh, we'll be working on that, but if you're wondering where this came from, it's based on uh, Tizé, and to me it does invoke the fire of the Holy Spirit. But I wonder, not just that, but looking around, what your experience coming in here was. We've lost almost half of our pews to accommodate this. Y'all are sitting a lot closer together than normal. I wonder what your favorite part about this space is. After the service, I invite you to ask yourself, did you experience God or community differently than perhaps you have before or are used to? To paraphrase a great Anglican theologian, the Eucharist is not primarily about changing bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, but about changing human lives. Our worship is intended to transform our lives. How will this temporary space transform us as a community of faith? You might not want the transformation, but it's going to happen. One of my very favorite all-time quotes is this. Tradition is the preservation of fire, not the worship of ashes. Tradition is the preservation of fire, not the worship of ashes. We have the fire. In this season of exploring our worship, Together, may we stoke that fire and be forged into the cross-shaped life of Christ.